You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Or Bree. <laughs> Julia is not here today, well, but so Bree, as soon as we to. start, decides to talk into the mic, not even sideways. <laughs> well, it wasn't that I meant to even talk into the mic. I was just reaching for the clock because we didn't change it for daylight. And she's training. like, oh, we forgot to blah, 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 right yeah. into the mic. Um, I, I'll do it later. I'm gonna, don't hand it to me as the show is going. She's like, here, do it right now while you're trying to intro the show. It's episode I three. I introed the show. 39. 339. Not prime. Not prime. Not at all. Uh, of the new Utah podcast. Um, <laughs> Thanksgiving week, believe it or not, kids. It's true. This year's flown so by. fast. Well, uh, it is an early Thanksgiving because we, we have quite a few days after Thanksgiving. Yeah, almost a full November, week. Yeah. That is true. Well, well, it's like a half a week. I mean, it's all the way through days. Wednesday. It's literally one day shy of Thanksgiving being the last yeah. day of the month. Yeah. So, right? Yeah. The last Thursday of, uh, and then, then the last day is a Wednesday. So Thanksgiving was almost on a Thursday this year, um, at the end of the month. But, I was like, it always is on a Thursday. Uh, almost made it to the last day of the month. So, right. and our kids, uh, because Sean has to work, we're doing it on Friday. And, uh, we decided to make charcuterie on Thursday. So we're just going to eat charcuterie all day. Can't go wrong with that. That's my favorite. Like, well, it's nice because you can kind of leave it out or, or like refresh as needed, you know, put a little about. I love charcuterie. So. So that's what we'll do on Thursday and then Friday I'll get the bird going. So um, we've got our family one, meaning my parents and some of my siblings on Thursday. And then Sunday we're going to do one with just a little family because, uh, Got a new baby. Maya and the baby, they, they don't, I don't blame them at all. They don't want to come to the, Fuck no. to the main one. So well, since, since I've just, she may not that, quite be home yet. I'll, I'll give a quick update. So, uh, we talked about it last week. Yes, baby was born last Wednesday. Um, sometime during the whole birthing process, she ingested fluids. That's got a name. Which happens. But meconium. Yeah. Meconium, which it does happen. It's, it's, Baby poop. It's common. It happens. So, so luckily they caught it right off the bat. And kind of what they, they realized is when she was born, she didn't cry. That's the first like sign is no crying. She just sat there quietly, but it's because she was having a hard time breathing. So within probably five minutes, they had her on oxygen. And within 10 minutes, they had her up to the, up to the, up NICU. to the NICU. So, I mean, they were right on top of it. This was the, uh, Riverton Hospital. Amazing people there. They, they've, they've done amazing work. So they had her on the respirator for about 24 hours and the CPAP for... I was going to ask you, where do they live, by the way? Because they're living with Tucker's folks, right? Yeah, so uh, just behind IFA. Oh, okay. So it's still like, right there in Riverton? Because, like, Riverton Hospital is really fucking close to you. Right. Yeah. Like, so you could just walk there. Like, I don't have to really leave my neighborhood to get to it. Yeah, this. exactly. She's about five miles away. Yeah, okay. So so nice and close. So um, anyway, so the, they... they they did the five-day um, antibiotics, which ended yesterday. They've slowly taken her off everything to her. Now it's just, just a little bit of a breathing uh, tube. And then when she's off that, she can come home. So we're hoping. It's called a cannula. A cannula. So we're hoping, hoping Thursday, Friday-ish. We'll find out. But she's doing really well. They caught it so quick. Yeah, that's that, what they're trained to do. That, that's why you should have a baby in the hospital, people. Just in case. <laughs> I know that you can have safe home births. Well, but... like like 
John and Vanita's daughter ran, and hers was an easy birth, and it happened at home, and everything but was fine. Could have just but, as easily, right. but swallowed poop and but something like this, and there's no way of knowing. It's not like there's there is no way of knowing until the baby comes out that something like that. Yeah, that just and, happens. I mean, they they caught it so quickly, and really, she's just going through the steps, but there should be no. Like no long term effects. She cooked the full length of time. Yep, full term. Baby's fucking humongous baby. So my sister. She's the same size as Rihanna's baby. They're oh. like a quarter of an inch difference. That's I funny. think Rihanna's was a quarter of an inch longer, and that's the only difference. Like weight and everything. So my youngest sister is a nurse at the NICU at Primary Children's, and she they only get the worst of the worst. Yeah. And so we kind of sent her a message, and she's like, "Well, what's going on?" And we're like, "We don't really know." And she's like, "Take a picture of the room." So we took a picture of the room, and from that picture, she could tell everything. She's like, oh, you got this, you got this, you got this. And she's like, they didn't call us, so it's not too bad. Uh, we're like, like, if they come to us, it's really bad. If they go to ICM, which is the big hospital uh-huh. in the center of the valley. That's IMC. Or IMC. Intermountain. It's not start. great. And she's like, but since they're leaving her there, she's like. She's fine. It's stressful. I get it. New parents, new baby, all of that kind of stuff. But really, she's going to be okay because. They didn't even contact us, and she's like, they only come to us in life flight if it's bad. Yeah, primary children's gets the really fucked up. In fact, primary children's, again, just a reminder, go get your damn flu shot. Got RSV spiking, flu's really high, and coronavirus is is actually really bad. Adults are getting RSV, it's so bad. That's what my sister did say, is she said right now. Being overrun with RSV. Yeah, they don't have, they're not, they've had to cancel a lot of surgical stuff because of RSV over at primary. Well, and, and typically when they, when they end up at primary, they were preemies, there are other things, but it is like life or death kind of yeah. bad. But yeah, my sister said it's bad right now. Like we're, RSV we're is really bad up there. The, the numbers have skyrocketed. So, so with the baby being full term, like not only full term, she was born the day they were going to start Maya if she hadn't had her, but she all on her own. So all of that was great. And other than this one little hiccup, everything went really well and hopefully we'll have her home but i've gotten to hold her heather gets heather just goes over every evening and gets to hold her and so nice so, nice so that's good it's that's been really good. good thanks to the folks at riverton hospital once again they've done an amazing job that's good news uh our dog there's another baby update our dog's injury is healing nicely um she gets the cone off tomorrow she yeah, jumped I'd... all over me when i walked in the door so you know she's feeling better yeah she's so... definitely feeling better a few episodes ago, I kind of had a panic attack during it because I saw some blood and some stuff going on with her. Found out that, that was when, it's two like weeks two ago. Two days after surgery was no, it was a, no, it was like it yeah. was it she was, was a, ready to it have was her two out. two days before we were oh. taking her to get her staples pulled. Gotcha. And turned out she had an infection, and so she got on some antibiotics, and it was great, and she's healing all up and jumping all over people again. They left us extra staple in yeah so, uh, so luckily had our daughter is a, 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 a vet tech. tech and so she just brought the little Bonus. she brought the and sunday she's like we've got phoebe laying on the floor loving on her and cassie's like this Digging is in her this is what's crazy like the dog doesn't even give a shit cassie's like her legs covered in blood like it cassie's looks hands are all bloody because she's trying to get this staple out and it's been in for like three and a half weeks at this point so it's so like covered in like it's like scabbed and, and she's yeah. got to like pull a scab off she's got to like pull the state and she's just like manhandling the staple out dog doesn't care. and phoebe doesn't even give a shit she doesn't even look at her legs she's just like oh everyone's loving on me yeah. dogs are ridiculous <laughs> their pain tolerance is so damn high yeah 
Like I would be like, oh my god, it hurts! Give me some yeah, injections. Yeah, you accidentally trip over them, and they act like it's the end of the rope. Oh, that's only because your dog is little. That's a. That's I've a, literally a, stepped on is, Phoebe, yeah. and she's just like, Phoebe excuse you. Phoebe's eighty pounds, dude. She does not care if you step on her no. most of the time. I, I step on her tail. I step on her paws. Chopper, however, when you put your foot on Chopper, Chopper freaks out because it, he it's has. It's because you have little dogs. He's true. He's very frail. So, uh, and. Um, Phoebe is our early warning system for yes. the fucking asshole UPS guy. So I can't so. remember if we told the original story. We did. With, we with, did. With the phone. With Cassie's phone. Yeah. So the the send back stuff didn't come with Cassie's phone. So Chris was online checking that and he's like, oh, Sean's phone is shipped. It looks like it's going to be here Monday. So we're, we're, we get Monday all ready. Tuesday. Yeah. So we get, that's right. And so we get all ready. And so today, like, we put a little note on the door because Chris is like, it's supposed to be here before nine. You got to talk into the mic if <laughs> you're going to tilt your mic that way. So it's going to, he's it's like, it's going to be here before nine. So we put like a note on the door. We do all this stuff. And, and then Chris opens the door about, I don't know, what, 3.30 or like so? Like three. Something like that. And puts her bed in front of the door. And we're listening. I just, I'm like, hey, Phoebe, you want to look out the front door? It's your favorite thing to do. If the yep. door's open, she'll lay in front of her for yep. hours. So we put her bed there. And all of a sudden, she's, it's not the bark, like, she will bark because, she like, sees you, someone. she sees you come. Or she'll bark because there's people down at the end of the street. But this was the, somebody's in front of our house bark. So Some asshole parked in front of our house. She does this bark when neighbor's yeah. friends park in front yeah. of the house. She barks at yeah. them. The bark when I get there is more of a arf. It's a, hey, Jeremy's she here. That she knows hey, it's you. Jeremy's here. Yeah. She's wagging I know, her tail I know the, already. I know that truck. Yeah. He's, he's, our friend's here. Come let him in so I can say hi. Yeah. So I come running down the stairs. Chris comes running up the stairs. He calls her to the door and I'm literally like just waiting for, and so I just open the door and the UPS guy's like just looking at me and I'm like, I think you need a signature for that. And he goes, yep, I sure do. So I signed for it. So instead of the fiasco last time, we, we outwitted the UPS man and fucking asshole. Got the the fact that we had to do that is ridiculous because all he had to do was ring the fucking doorbell, but they don't do it. They'll walk. Yeah. The, I've, I've, Opened the door as they're putting the sticky on my door before. Yeah, and you're like, hey. Because my here. office is Do they right even have the, the package? Because he never even had the package in yeah, his the, hand. Yeah, the, the last guy didn't even bring the package up the first time. So, yeah. We had the door open, so he knew he had to bring the package up. He <laughs> he knew he had the, the thing and already. sure enough, like everything. the dog let us know yeah. before he even really got out of the truck. Good so. job, Phoebe. You earned your pay today. That's right. She earned her, she earned her keep. Also, if you manage to go find them, the City Weekly Best Subs are out. Uh, we encourage you to go grab one. Uh, I think it's also available online as of yesterday. Yeah, um, I, they they I'm let it sure. on. They had it on stands for a week. They're hard to find. I got lucky. I found I found ours. At Apollo Burger. I looked at like three places the other this last weekend. Couldn't find them anywhere. So uh, good on you for for finding us. Some, We're walking so. out, and then I knew they I knew they carried City Weekly, and as we walking out. I kind of look over, and they had a whole stack. So awesome! I'm like Jonathan, be a distraction, and I grabbed four of them yeah, for us. They and- <laughs> don't give a shit. You could have taken eight. I know they, they don't, don't care. care. But That's, but we got. But you, we gotta, got them. You, you feel a little guilty when you're grabbing them because so like, we'll, people are like, "What the heck, dude?" I don't, 
I don't feel guilty. So we'll probably uh, we'll probably uh, do those sometime here in the next. Yeah, I think month we're or probably so. going to do De- those in December because we December don't have as many people that want to. You know, December is really tough yeah. on guests most most years just because it's the holidays and schedules and it's people. It's hard to. It's hard, hard to enough get for people. us to schedule. It well, I mean, this is think, our show and think about it. Like we talk to a lot of small businesses and stuff, and a lot of artists, and they're really busy this time of year because. Yeah. It's Christmas time. It's the holidays it's when they make a lot of their sales. Speaking of which, small business Saturdays this Saturday. Please shop local on Saturday. Shop local on Friday too. Fuck, but for for serious on Saturday, uh, a lot of businesses, local businesses, have big sales all weekend long. Go frequent them. Go visit them and and buy their shit. Julia mentioned that she yeah. has some stuff going on too, yep. so uh, she'll have some stuff Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. She's got stuff. If you go to her website or her different socials she's got posts on it she's got different sales for different days and different things you can do at the shop so um speaking of just a couple other events um the ice ice castle stuff uh those tickets will go on sale uh here at the end of the month yep um don't know when it'll be open yet usually in january sometime sometimes it's open for two weeks sometimes it's open for two months with how cold we've been, I feel like they're gonna. They might be able to have a longer run if it stays as cold because we still have snow from the last snowstorm in our front yard. Yeah, so it's looking good for this year. But the tickets go on sale November twenty eighth. So any of you who are interested, uh, you, uh, you don't necessarily need to buy them on the twenty eighth, but I would definitely keep an eye on them because they do have limited tickets. Uh, and then yes, they'll towards right around Christmas time end of November they'll. They'll have the schedule. Yeah, up. they'll post their projected dates. And then keep in mind, if you are going to go, it's always weather permitting. Yeah. So the days you plan on going, and I know last year you had to schedule your ticket, had to line up with a day, and I'm pretty sure it's still the same way. So what they say is uh, the day before, the day of, check the website to make sure that it's still open. If it do, if it is closed on your day, it's not a big deal. They'll still uh, honor your ticket. You've just got to go in and reschedule a different day. And it's open uh, seven days a week from typically the first part of January to as late as the end of February. It, but as long as they can keep the ice in good condition. It's, it is what it sounds like. It's a big ice castle. So when the sun comes out, your castle it, melts. It melts. And if it's <laughs> not cold enough to stay fairly frozen, right. it melts fast. So In some years, like you said, some years it's only been open like two weeks. Just because it's like above freezing all day uh and the sun's out and so it, it melts and if it's below freezing and the sun's out it's fine but uh right. it's those days where it's like 40 degrees with the sun up at soldier hollow and uh also zoo lights uh will be all through december um that's just uh hogle zoo with pretty lights so yeah december 2nd through the 30th uh, and the actual zoo lights isn't every day of the week. They stagger it, and I'm sure it has to do with the animals and taking care of it. So do check the schedule online, but it's most days from the 2nd through the 30th. Uh, adults, fourteen ninety five, kids, eleven ninety five, and the actual zoo lights is 5.30 to 9, so it's an evening thing. So yeah. You can't still go open? at noon and see Christmas yeah. lights. Yeah, because it's light Because yeah, it doesn't really do you much good. That's so the zoo stupid. is open during the day, so you can... Still go, go the day, at like but... two or three, go see the animals. They'll all be asleep at two or three in the afternoon. If you go early in the morning, that's when you see animals, by the way, folks. Um, and then at night, they'll have the lights. So, yeah, so that, that, that there are some nocturnal animals. Also, yeah, not many though. Also, uh, worth mentioning this is a really important 
World Cup's going on right now. Started a couple USA days ago. USA Tide. I watched it while I was working. <laughs> Started on Sunday uh, with the uh, Qatar and uh, 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 Ecuador, and Ecuador beat Qatar. It was the. F- I didn't realize this, but that is the first time in World Cup history that the opening game was lost by the host team. <gasps> really? First time in World Cup history. <laughs> That's what Qatar I, gets. I, I'm assuming if you watched the game, you saw that stadium, but have you... That stadium is freaking beautiful, that but it was all built by slave all, labor. All so. of their stadiums are beautiful. So that stadium, so that stadium, and this whole opening has cost more than all of the other World Cups in the last fifty years combined. And you can't get beer. <laughs> like so, what Budweiser has said they're going to do is they're going to take whoever wins and they're going to throw them a big party and they're going to get all of the beer. Because they have it all. They That's have a, it all stocked. They, they ramped it up. Did they actually say that? Yeah. Because they paid for it. Well, here's the thing. There's a bunch of like luxury cruise liners off the coast that people are partying on because they can do whatever they want on those off the coast. Uh, and so, But they, they're still not going to buy the same amount of beer so, as no. people would in the stadium. So because they have, they have such limited hotel space there, if you're staying in one of the neighboring whatever states, I don't know what they call them. Countries. Countries, states, areas, but you have tickets... Uh, Qatar will fly you to the game for free each time of the, yeah. that, that you it, have your. It tickets. would be a neighboring country. Country Qatar is small. It's, 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 its like own. it's like the size of Rhode Island. I it's think like Liechtenstein. It's yeah. really small. It's not a very big. So country yeah, they have spent more on this on their stadium and the whole thing than all well, of. They the are other the richest people. nation in the world currently. I believe they sure are, uh, and um, it's just stupid money. Uh, they've been very aggressively uh, anti-LGBTQ as well, not allowing anyone wearing any kind of rainbow-colored shit in their stadiums. Wow. They uh, threatened – because the uh, captains of a whole bunch of the teams, especially the, the European teams, were going to wear rainbow captain armbands. Uh, and FIFA and the World Cup officials said, if you do that, we will card you all. Uh, and that's a big deal. Like – a, a yellow card for a protest thing like that is not a big deal normally, but in the World Cup, two yellow cards across a couple of games get you suspended for a game. That's not good because it's a small tournament, and so yellow card accumulation adds up really fast, and you have to sit out for games. Plus, if you already if you're sitting on a yellow card to begin the game with for not doing anything, and then you do something, you're done. You're, you're done. A red That's card. a red card. So That's yeah, too bad. they've really squashed that, but. Regardless, there was also a really big upset today, this morning. Um, Saudi Arabia played Argentina and beat them 2-1, to one, which, which is a is huge upset for Argentina to lose that game. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, yeah, well, you know, Messi, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Uh, it's, but, uh, it, was a, it was a good game, though, and I watched soccer all day today and all I day yesterday. Wa- I didn't watch uh, all day today. I only watched the USA game, and holy crap, the beginning, that first half of that game was Amazing, so, and I was screaming and yelling and cheering. And one more thing about the stadium, just because I'm an architect nerd, um, it it is climate controlled. Uh huh. The floor, the soccer floor, they have to is climate controlled. The floor itself is climate controlled. They have to, and then every seat, every air has <laughs> the seats. Yeah, I, that's that's excessive. But the floor usually is because of the grass. This cli- it's, it's climate controlled so that every player. Like is within this certain temperature, so all the players and it's like the most mind-boggling. Yeah, it's really cool mechanical. Stuff. Well, unlike that system, that or that stadium that they did the opening the opening game in is designed to look like a tent, like yeah. the way the interior was designed. Like 
it's wild the stuff that went into these. And just keep in mind, they were all built by slaves. So well, and uh, so back when when they were putting out bids for all of this stuff a couple of years ago, I remember reading some of the articles in some of my magazines and some of the architectural stuff that I follow. Some of the companies, like massive architectural companies from Britain and all these places, are applying to do it because having that sucker on your resume oh, that's huge. would be amazing. Anyway, the, the building in itself is absolutely phenomenal. But when you can throw a billion dollars at a building, you get everything. You do whatever the well, fuck you want. Well, the thing is, is, is when you throw that money at the building and it all actually goes to the building and none to the labor. That's right. That's true. It's really easy to build extravagant buildings with you have free labor. So I mean, right. think about it. If all you had to do was consider the supplies, like supplies are expensive, but if all you had to do is consider supplies and no well, labor. Labor's typically, on average, in the construction world, three times the price of your materials. Yep. That's typically. Uh, so you would save like labor's, three quarters of the cost of your house. Labor's <laughs> typically building. like half or more of your budget as any company. Right. That's, that's, just, that's just the way it goes because- you can go get all the wood at, at uh, Home Depot, but good luck framing a house yourself. Yep, exactly, exactly. Hey, I can you buy wanna... all the nails and stuff. But... <laughs> Speaking of getting shit at Home Depot, you want to help me with my sprinkler system in the fall or mm-hmm. in the spring? That's right. Absolutely. We'll make a party. That's out. right, <laughs> motherfucker. I suckered you into it. Um, yeah, so anyway, I wanted to mention that the U.S. also has games uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, uh, all of our games are at noon mountain time. So important to note. Uh, so the Friday after Thanksgiving and then Sunday afternoon as well, uh, our games. Uh, so watch them cheer on the team. We've got a really well, good shot. Because we didn't make it last year. So, well, no one made it last year. Last well, cycle. You know what I meant? Last cycle. But, um, I was listening to them talk about it after the game and Alexi, I can't think of his last name. Lawless. Uh, yeah. He said that, um, Every time we've tied in the opener, we've gone on further, like, to win. We've gone to the knockout rounds. So maybe even though we tied and that sucks because stupid Christian Bale. It's not Christian Bale. Not Christian. uh, Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale. I was confusing him with the Christian guy that helped make our goal. Anyway, Gareth Bale (laughs) freaking got the PK in the 86th damn minute of the game that tied it up or we would have won. That was a valid PK. Zimmerman had no business doing what he did. Yeah, but, but I don't like Gareth Bale. Our listeners don't give a fuck anymore. They Gareth Bale caring. can suck it. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's fun. I like watching the World Cup. It's really good soccer. It's the best soccer you're going to see all year. The other thing that's cool about this World Cup that's a little different is because it's in Qatar, they had to move it to this time of year. The World Cup's usually in the middle of the summer, in like July. But it's too fucking hot in July in Qatar. It's 120 it's, degrees. Everybody uh, would die. Yeah, like there's no way. And so like now, like the evenings are like 70 degrees. Like, and our guys are playing, they're 10 hours ahead of us. So when it's noon here, they're playing at 10 p.m. is when they're starting They're the game. all playing in their e- in the evening. And so, but it's like 70 degrees at 10 p.m. So that's awesome. Though. I mean, that's perfect. It's great temperature for them to play. But, um, so they had to move it to the winter, uh, in Qatar, uh, so that it could be playable, uh, which means, you know, normally this is the time of year, like all of the leagues in Europe are in the prime of their season because they take a very short winter break for the holidays, but like they're it's, all playing. It's not very wintry in Europe. They're, they're really playing in the winter. Like they're that, and they take a break in the heat of the summer. Like that's normally when like MLS is going in the middle of summer and you have the World Cup. So what that means is all the guys that normally play on these teams that are playing in those European leagues and the best leagues in the world, their postseason, they're exhausted. They're injured. 
but they're not now. They're in the prime of their season right now. So they're like three, four months into their seasons. They're in great shape. They're at top physical fitness. And now they're playing in this World Cup. So it's a very different look. Like these guys are all like tip top and fresh. And so it's been uh, uh, an exciting World Cup to watch. It's been some really good games. Uh, and I would encourage people to watch it. If if you want to to watch the best soccer on the planet, now is the time to do it. And yeah. all the games are on Fox and FS1. Now this now's the time to learn that soccer isn't what your kids play when you go. Oh God! If your only experience is seven year olds playing soccer, you need to watch this. Well, I legit <laughs> ran into somebody. I legit ran into somebody who was judging soccer against pro sports by the soccer that their kids play, and I'm like. How do, do those two things that's compare? Like they're, they're, they're not the same event to what your kids play. That's like that's like the orchestra. That's like oh my harmonic to your junior your middle high. school band. <laughs> to the middle school band that played at the girls game. Yeah. So um uh and then Bree, you're going to Cali? I'm going to Cali. I'm going back back no, to Cali. Uh, Cali. I no, I've yeah. You've been to Cali before. You're I have. going back to Cali. I, I guess technically, but not Corona. So my, one of my IUI sisters has a, uh, like a fancy party for just girls, for just the women every Christmas. A fancy time. lady Christmas party. Yeah. It's like a black, like you wear Stripper. your little black Black-no. dress. Black no. dress. Not, not fucking, not a fancy. dude Christmas party, Jeremy. <laughs> fancy. They have dude strippers. Not fancy tacky. lady. Well, yeah, I guess she, she could have strippers. I don't know. There's, anyway, there's the Chippendales. They're so fancy. she she randomly invited me and the other sister that lives here in Utah, and we decided to go. So in a couple weeks, I'll be able to report on how that should be fun. How it goes? I think it will be fun for her. I'll be a bachelor for a couple days, take off my wedding ring, be single. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not how it works. With us this week is uh, Frank Falk uh, of Ihorns and. I can't just say eye horns. I think I probably have to explain it. So I have looked at Frank's stuff for years at the farmer's market. Um, he takes old antique things. So sometimes it's an actual horn or a saxophone or an old phonograph. And he makes speakers out of them for phones, for iPhones and Androids and whatever other phone you have now. So uh, we met lat well. We didn't meet. Frank wasn't there last uh, summer when we went to the uh, Salt Lake City. When we did our adventure to the market. Yeah, Salt Lake City, the, the downtown farmer's market. But his son was there, and so we got to talk to him and kind of ask some questions. And we asked, we asked your son if he'd want to be on the show, and he's like, absolutely. So <laughs> if you don't really want to be here, you know who to talk to. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. He's like, oh, my dad would love to be on the show. I'll talk to him about it. I think I think he said anytime he can talk about himself is great. <laughs> I think that's what he told us. Anyway, so we're at, we're, ha- we're we're happy to actually finally have you on because that was probably June-ish. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a while, a while ago. So anyway, we are we are happy to actually have you on the show. Yeah, my my eldest son was on a sports radio uh, show, and uh, the sports radio guy said that he'd purchased one of my eye horns, and and my son said, well. If you want me to bring him in, you know, he'll talk for 40 minutes about himself. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, then good. We'll probably have a really great show with that's you. Right. Uh, that's... For something like this, that's good. <laughs> it, 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 so it's okay. It's, that's what yep. we want. Because so, we just sit here and talk for two hours. So I know you've listened to the show. So you know the first question that we're going to have for you is what, what is your birthday, uh, month and day? 
Uh, August 10th. So November 10th. So Veterans Day. First part of November. <laughs> your oh, parents yeah. were celebrating Veterans, Veterans Day. Day. Your parents were celebrating Veterans <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I can't, I can't really, I can't really speak to that. I don't know. Now you'll think about it. I was born on Day. Veterans Day, so it's clearly a holiday. Yeah. So, so, well, you're, you're, so you're a New Year, a, a Valentine's baby. Probably. Well, not really. Valentine's test you, baby. Yeah. But um, maybe they were at a concert. Maybe it was like I don't know. What's I? Just, I don't know if people I, did. It's, it's it's really hard to say. You know, Burl Lives came through Utah. <laughs> Well, and he was actually arrested at Utah County for his music being inappropriate. That is a true story. I was born in New York. Oh, okay. So never so mind. So definitely not. Which is actually, that is our next question. Which I actually just got to visit for the first time, and I freaking love New York. What part of New York? I was born on Long Island in Mineola. Well, there you go. Because there's, di- there's very different parts of New York. Like, if you're born in the city, like Long Island, Manhattan, it's a very different type of new yorker than those born say in buffalo bills fans oh yeah or or uh, sure. even like even like the areas like elmira and the finger lakes area like very Speaking different of buffalo, types of did people. you see they got 70 that is seven zero inches of snow this yes. week yeah That's, they had to move the game their football game to, to detroit, detroit. Yeah. that yeah. is crazy i think they had more fans yeah. than detroit normally gets i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> potentially <laughs> so born in new york uh are you raised in new york no, um, I was raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, that's quite the... Um, yeah, so when I was two, uh, my dad was killed in a commercial plane crash. I was the youngest of three children. Uh, my mom was 24. Oh, wow. And uh, she remarried, and we moved out to Phoenix in 1966. So you never really knew your birth father then, if you were... No, right. I have no independent memories of my birth father that whatsoever. That is tragic and so random, because I know they say so few people die in plane accidents, but then when but, you actually hear of somebody, it's like, wow. But when, when a plane crashes, there's a whole bunch of people, and it's not just like oh, two or three people in a car. Right. Well, I, it was a kind of a smaller commuter plane with maybe like 30 people on it or something like that, and, and a very small percentage of them died. Oh. Um, but... My father was one of them. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. That's like when uh, planes crash over at the soccer stadium or at the soccer complex in West Jordan over there because Airport 2 is right there. I don't know why they built a bunch of soccer fields right <laughs> next to Airport 2, but I'd say like probably two to three times a year there's a plane that crashes Something in crash. the soccer complex. A plane complex. crashed over my church once. Remember that? Oh, I do remember that. So when the – I don't know if you were if, if you were in Utah when this happened, but there was a plane crash out here in Kearns where – it crashed over the church and it was my church and there's a school as part of the church and they actually had to get the kids out. So they, they put butcher paper on the windows and then like parked the buses up as close to, as they could and put, put, put butcher paper in that the school been bus about because there were literally like parts body parts. That would have been about 87 ish. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in Phoenix. Um, did you spend your whole like adolescence and everything there? Yeah. I, uh, from till I was six to eighteen, um, and then I went to school at University of Pacific in Stockton, California. Wow. Went for about a year and a half and dropped out. Bought a business in San Diego with oh, wow. my mom and brother. Did that for uh, eight years. So, uh, what were you studying in college or starting to study? <laughs> um, I wanted to be a poet. Um, 
So you were an English major? I was. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. A, that would be the major I'd go for if I went back to school. Yeah. Um, and so ended up, I married my high school sweetheart. Um, oh. and we're still married. Wow. That's amazing. Um, that doesn't happen very often. So when were you in college? I'm just wondering. What- I started in 1978, okay. uh, and went for a year and a half and then. Uh, dropped out and we bought this business in San Diego and did it for eight years. So what, what business was that? Um, it was called Fiber Seal. It was sort of like Scotch guarding furniture oh. and stuff like that. And, um, and then we sold the business and, uh, at that point I was married and had, uh, three children and we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona. And I went to Arizona State University, uh, finished my undergraduate in English, uh, scared to death of any poetry class, um, and went to law school. I uh, moved oh, up cool. here to go to law school, and I went to law school and practiced law for about 15 years. Oh, wow. And then um, got to you? Yeah, I went to the U. And then got into um, the art gig. So when were you at the U? Uh, 90 to 93. Close, Jeremy. Um, I started in 95. (laughs) Okay. Um, And I still do ghostwriting and legal research and uh, consulting, uh, mostly litigation-related stuff. Um, Law firms all over the country that call me up, and I sit in my basement and uh, do that. And then I do... On the creative side, the Ihorns. What uh, what kind of litigation did you do when you were an actual attorney? Like, I mean, you're still an actual civil. Attorney. <laughs> so, well, no, I'm not. I don't maintain a license. So, um, civil litigation, you know, kind of covered the gamut of different issues, right? So, yeah. is it something that you kind of lost interest in, or? Um. Not that I can ever imagine losing interest in that. No. Um, it was really kind of more economic stuff. Like, you know, if you don't have the right clients and you have a lot of clients that bankrupt you and right. it just uh, didn't have a really successful practice in terms of, you know, I wasn't raking in dough or anything like that. Um, but, and so... I just kind of shifted to more being support to other attorneys and, uh, you can charge a lot more for that and attorneys will pay you. Um, I, I think <laughs> I've, I think I add value. Um, my hourly rates very low comparatively speaking because my overhead's very low yeah. and that allows it to be, you know, passed on to the benefit of, of the people that I work with. And most of them I've never met. Um, and they just call me and, um, I'm, pretty good writer and so i write an awful lot of stuff and spend a lot of time typing um when you get the i think the average person in business has i don't know what do they say seven career changes or seven Mm -hmm. job changes when you get an education specific job lateral movement's very difficult right and so um where you go from, you know, your training as an oral surgeon is probably very limited, right? Um, and so you don't get that renewing, um, 
refreshing kind of experience of, of changing jobs and having kind of a new start with different people and different subject matter and topics and whatnot. And so for me, the art side of the thing is the functional equivalent of a lateral kind of uh, job change that allows me to have a very different interaction with people, right? So the legal stuff that I do is all problem-based and the art side of the stuff is kind of all creative and, and joy based, right? And so it creates, it's kind of a good balance. Mm-hmm. I totally understand where you're coming from. So I'm an architect for my day job and this is my outlet. Sure. <laughs> this is my, it is not work and it's, and 99% of the time it's enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> there there sure. is that 1%. But <laughs> sure. We're out in the community. We're meeting people that we would never under any others. I mean, one in uh, in any other circumstance would I get to talk to a drag queen for an hour or politicians or senators or, or a guy that makes uh speakers out of that's right. old so stuff. Right. I, I totally understand where you're coming from in your professional life. You love it, you enjoy it, but you've gotta have something. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just a very different human interaction. So how did you get involved in art to begin with? Um well, when I was when I was younger, my mom was a docent at the Phoenix Art Museum, so I was always kind of exposed to it. I'm not very artistic in a classical sense, right? I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't do that kind of thing. But I've always sort of had an appreciation for it. And in terms of how the Ihorns started, um, they started from our, our children taking their phone and putting it into a brass Kleenex box. Yeah. So that, um, I made that for Chris. For, out of an old cigar box. Yeah, for sure. Cigar box. Same for sure. thing. It's right. an outlet. Right. And so you take your phone and you stick it in a cup and it the sound bounces down and it bounces up louder than it went into the bottom of the cup, right? And then I just started thinking about how phonographs work and they were all... Uh, there's a source that drives the music through a horn. The horn causes the amplification and it just kind of spun from there. So I made one as a Christmas gift for our youngest child. And, uh, any, for anyone who wants to get into art on a commercial basis through art shows and venues and things like that, uh, my suggestion is you find a mentor. And I had a close friend who, was a metal artist. Um, his company's Nivek Metal. And uh, he was willing to spend the time with me to explain uh, the application process and the, the timing of it all and, and how it works. And I just started very small at the downtown farmer's market. And then it expanded over time into doing more multi-day art shows and things like that. Wow, that's a... Uh, so- how did you decide, like, that first one that you built, what what did you make it out of? Did you make it out of an old phonograph? An uh, old phonograph horn, and the base was a log. A oh, log. Yeah, a log. And um, then the throat of it, or what connected it, was the tone arm from the phonograph. Huh. Um, and it was, it was huge and heavy and... Um, very rudimentary and over a decade's period of time i've perfected it somewhat (laughs) not not entirely but so how did you go from like okay you make this cool thing for your kid for christmas to 
okay, I want to start doing this in art shows because, I mean, was it like you made it and you're like, oh, I could definitely do this full time for other stuff? No, or- no. Um, and so what my friend, the mentor, said, you know, I, I think that other people would like these. And so I made a bunch and he told me how to apply to to the farmer's market. And, and so I did. I, I booked four days the first year and um, – and I, and I, I kind of like dipped my toe into the water and tested um, people's reaction. And you know, the interesting thing was the breadth of people who who had a positive reaction to it. Um, it wasn't one gender over another. It wasn't particularly one age group over another. And so. I have in the last decade had uh, a four-year-old child who visited my booth seven times in Sun Valley and brought (laughs) every one of his family members that he was at this reunion with, and he got it and really got into it. And I've had 90-plus-year-old people who aren't buyers but want to tell you the stories of their youth because this invokes an emotional reaction from them because many of the pieces that I'm making these out of are a hundred plus years old. And, you know, each one has a story and for especially the, the much older people, they all have a story that attaches to something very similar. So, where do you find your auctions? Auctions. I have tried, uh, you know, the American pickers mm-hmm. going out and, you know, and if you have a list of 4,000 different items that you want to buy, I'm sure you can find them anywhere. But my thing is conical shaped items. Um, and so one time we drove back from St. George and we hit every small antique store between uh, St. George and Mill Creek on the way up. And I think it was about a 15 hour drive back. And I think I found one piece. Oh, Jesus. Uh, right. And so it just, it, that's not a super productive way. And so I am on all these auction house lists. And sometimes the auction will be someone's estate who had a couple of pieces. Sometimes the auctions will be, very specific radio related antique radio related mm-hmm. auctions and they may have 300 different kinds of radios and horn speakers and all that kind of stuff and so um and the time for me to buy the raw materials is when i see them right well if you're building it out of <clears throat> found it's not like you can just go to Walmart and get it whenever you need it. No, no. And and so, for instance, I mean, one of the smaller pieces, but still fairly expensive in relative terms. And, and my pieces, I think, for the most part, I, w- I would label as fairly expensive, um, is called a Rube's horn. And it's a horn off a model T car. They're oval shaped horns. They were made in about 1915. They were specifically engineered to project sound because when we switched from horses to cars, all of the jurisdictions passed signaling ordinances where you had to have a signaling device because people were afraid and they had to be heard a certain distance. So the, the, com- the car companies hired sound engineers who, for the most part at that point, specialized in horn theory. 
and they design these horns to project using a bulb that you would yeah. squeeze and force air through it. And that's the old sound you think of. Uh, 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 my kind uncle of, had that's a not. Model T. No, my, my my uncle had a Model T. So like I I've seen it on the car and yeah. heard it in like on <laughs> the, the car. The uh uh horn is an people call them ooga horns or whatever. Uh, it's, right, it's a klaxon horn and actually has a plunger with oh, ears. Uh-huh. These are this actually is... rubber bulb horns. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a round black ball. It's like, yeah, it's like a clown, loud clown horn, but the horns are oval shaped or all kinds of different things. And if you have one in mint condition at auction, not with my modifications, but just one you could install on a car that has all of it and it's mint, they can go for as much as anywhere from fifteen to twenty five hundred dollars for one wow. of the horns. I imagine the the ball part is probably the hardest because it deteriorates. Right. Right. right? And so if you have one that's preserved that's all original, they go for a lot of money. Yeah. I remember my uncle's was already and this was like when I was little, so like over thirty years ago. And it, was already, and it was already like you could mm-hmm. make sound out of it, but it wasn't the true sound anymore because it wasn't taking the ball wasn't taken care of. So what other items do you look for? Because it's not just phonographs and like the roots right. horn. You, you no. use other stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, the biggest classical kind of appearing piece are radio horns, and they were from the 1920s, and they were the speakers for the radios. So they would have a small magnetic driver in the bottom of it and the precursor to kind of RCA jacks, and they would plug into radios, which were often coffin boxes. Mm-hmm. They look like a coffin, super, super heavy things that were the tuners, and these horns that are kind of S-shaped, and have the bell would be the amplifier. I don't make very many out of phonograph horns, not because they wouldn't work perfectly, but because phonograph horns are very large. Most of them are about three feet plus long. So if you consider in your home, (laughs) where do you have three feet that you can put this object? You're really limiting your market. Whereas the radio horns would have a base very much like uh, these microphones do, you know, six inches around or whatever, and they're 14 inches tall or 15 inches tall. And so they produce the same kind of sound but have a much smaller footprint. So I use those. I use antique car horns um, in all kinds of different derivations. Um, and then I use things that I use for intrigue that have a base, that create a base, to which I will attach antique horns, right? Trying to look at um, the kinds of things that people find interesting, right? So, for instance, last year, I think there were 1.7 trillion photographs taken. And, surprise uh, me. <laughs> and so I'll buy vintage, <laughs> vintage cameras like a Kodak Brownie camera and use the flash as the bell. Right. And so if it's conical shaped, I can find a way to try to maximize the sound that comes through it. And they also work in the inverse because of the design of the phone, which is there's a microphone and a speaker. So if your phone's sitting in the dock and you answer your phone on speaker, you can then talk in the direction of the horn and it funnels oh, your that, voice oh, back cool. down through. I thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that either. That's really cool. So yeah. some of you use instruments too, don't you? I do. Yeah. For sure. Um, uh, 
mostly brass instruments. The only woodwind that I'll make them out of is uh, a saxophone. I attempted one time out of a clarinet. <laughs> uh, too much sound leaked out of the finger hole. And I uh, decided in my wisdom that I, what I would do is bore out the center of the clarinet and put a tube into it. When the drill caught in the clarinet and it spun the clarinet and buried the metal prongs into my hand <laughs> and the blood was gushing all over the place, I ran upstairs because my workshop's downstairs and my wife gently said, put your hand over the sink. And then in true Florence Nightingale fashion, she came running downstairs with a bottle of alcohol and poured it all over my throbbing, bleeding hand. And I said, I'll never make another one out of a clarinet. Yeah. At least she didn't try to put like Vicks vapor rub on it. No, well, yes. She's, no, thank you. My grandma that. would have done something like that. No. Like, oh, Vicks will fix no. that. Windex. Yeah. No. <laughs> So, yeah, I do make them bugles, trumpets, uh, French horns, saxophones. Um, I recently made one out of a trombone, but I cut them down so they're not quite so as they're not so massive. Yeah, yeah, so long. No one's got room on their desk for it, a trombone. It's funny because saxophones, while they are a woodwind, they're not. None of them are made out of wood anymore. They're all brass now. Right. And so they probably carry sound much better than... They do. They, and they have an attribute that's great in an enclosed space, and it's a detriment when I'm at art shows, and that's that the sound leaks out of all the finger holes. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're in an enclosed space, that then fills the space, but it diminishes a single point of projection at the art shows, and at the art shows, volume is frequently equated with quality. And quality, in my mind, is not always based on volume. So when you make one out of a metal horn, it emphasizes higher pitch. When you make one out of a wooden horn or a rubber horn or a paper mache horn, it's a more balanced sound. If any of these things have, if, if the biggest downside of them is they're not great bass machines. And that's kind of simple to comprehend if you just get on spotify and search 1920s music the only bass you're going to find is vocal mm -hmm. and so as a consequence when they were manufacturing these bass was not a concern yeah because i mean at best you had a stand-up bass an actual bass <laughs> and and that was not super common yet uh in any kind of music until probably like the late 20s early 30s i would think that's why when you listen to when you hear that old music, it all sounds tinny, right? Well, in higher pitch. That's tinny. right. Yeah, it's that's it's tinny. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I and I never try to tell anyone what sounds best because I believe that each one of us hears the same thing differently, and I don't know whether there's any scientific proof for that, but I believe that. No, I believe and that, I, and I also believe that what you like in terms of sound quality changes over time, you know, and my standard pitch line is, you know, when, when my wife and I were first dating and I was 16 and she was 15, she probably sat on the edge of the car seat and waited for every word to come out of my mouth with eager excitement. <laughs> and now we get in the car and I start talking and she turns on the radio and says, let's listen to something pleasant. <laughs> Sometimes Chris will talk and after a few minutes I'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear anything you just said. <laughs> so an example of that is that 
have hearing issues. Um, the movie The Greatest Showman. Yeah. I can't hear Hugh Jackman. When he sings, there is something. <gasps> you in his, do? Yeah, there is something in his pitch. I can't hear him right. either. When we watched that in the movie theater, I was like, what is going on? I can hear him when I watch it at home and I can see the closed captioning. Then I can, my brain makes it up and I can hear but, him. But yeah, so people here, I, I told totally I can't hear him either. People hear differently and, and they hear pitches differently. And so what sounds good to me may not sound good to you. That's right. Yeah, don't go see him on Broadway then. He's doing Music Man right now still, I think. That'd be very He's boring. He's a what? He's a what? He's a, doing Music Man. It's from the it's from the musical, Jeremy. He's a what? He's a oh. what? He's a music man, and he sells clarinets. Jeremy's never seen Music town. Man. He doesn't oh, understand. I've seen, I've seen it. Uh huh. Rebecca did it. <laughs> Maya, Maya, her her one line was, "It could be curtains." So you went to the play, and you still don't know that it's like probably one of the most favorite <laughs> lines in the whole or favorite uh, famous lines in the whole show. I may have slept. <laughs> That's what I would have done. <laughs> So have you? So when you decided to start creating these, were like antique phonographs and horns something you had an interest in already, or was it just like hey, that seems like something that would make good sound? Or you were just tired of your kids borrowing stuff and throwing their phones in it, and you're like, "Where's my glass? Where'd my cup go?" Um, now, you know, I just started thinking about how phonographs actually worked, right? And most of the, all of the sound amplification is from the horn. Everything else is either a vehicle to spin the plate. Mm -hmm. There's a spring-loaded motor. There's a box that the plate's mounted on. Um, and then the needle was just a, a little piece of wire and a diaphragm, and it would go across the grooves and pick up and scratch and then go through, and, and the horn would create the amplification. And so... Um, it, it was just something that it just went off, sense. and yeah, <laughs> and have you ever used one of those horns? You know that from the old yeah, days? the ear horns. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. I in fact, um, those are super super collectible. I was going to say those are probably and pretty hard to I find. I was just going to say, price. and they would be super small though. Cause... They are. They are small, and and so that's that's the problem from a commercial point of view, right? Is that if something is really highly collectible but small, how do you convince the consumer that this particular <laughs> piece, because it's highly collectible, is worth three thousand dollars? Well, or, is, let's yeah. let's just say it's worth five hundred. But for five hundred, we could buy one that's substantially bigger and makes right? louder sound. And so <laughs> I've purchased one. I've never made a horn out of it. I just have it as something in my home, what? and they would they would work perfectly. Something like that that's highly collectible. You, you hate to modify it because if you modify it, it definitely loses value. It, it, it's just the more. I mean, this is this has been a really interesting path for me in terms of understanding certain things, right? And so we can look at time frames in American development. And we can look at capitalism and commercial products and see how they've moved the dial, right? So if we go back to like late 1800s, early 1900s, the industry to be in was the telephone, mm -hmm. right? Because the telephone connected rural and urban America, right? And so now if I'm the merchant who's selling corn, I can call the farmer and say I'm out of corn. And I can get corn, right? 
And so that was the industry to be in until the 1920s. And in the 1920s, radio, we, we got cars. Oh, yeah. Right? And everyone wants to be in cars. Right? So you've heard of Motorola. Well, the guy that started that wanted to do radios for cars. And the way we get the name is that everything that was sound oriented ended in Ola. So we got Victrola, Victrola. all of that mm-hmm. stuff, right? So he wants to be sound in cars. So he's, it's Motorola. And what you also see is that early American capitalism is a story of diversification, right? So there's a, a horn that's made. It's called a sal horn. It's absolutely beautiful. The bell is Bakelite plastic. The neck is, is normally sort of a very art deco alligator paint. It's gorgeous, right? But that company invents the greaser gun, which is a tool for delivering grease to lube car parts. My wife's favorite horn is called the Dictagrand horn. It's a small horn. They made telephones under the brand Dictagraph. They made the earliest surveillance equipment used by federal police agencies to bust corrupt senators and politicians. Where you just point the... And businessmen. Yeah, stuff like that. And they also made the first hearing assist for Broadway theaters. Ah. So success of early American capitalism is a story of diversity and the ability to pivot, right? And as we move that dial forward, where, you know, we finally get to the 60s and it's computers, right? By the 90s, it's the cell phone and it's the internet, right? And I don't know what the next thing's going to be. Probably environmentally related prop. Products because we have significant environmental problems that we have to we have to find a way to figure Mm -hmm. out, right? Wow, it's interesting too. So you see, you you see a a a thing like what you're creating with the eye horns, where you are taking those really old things from the 20s and 30s and 40s and transforming them into something that is useful again today. You know that that upcycling sort of idea. I'm curious because with the transition, as you talked about with like American capitalism, we also had a period of globalization where products got cheaper. Uh, And by cheaper, I don't just mean cost. I mean, just overall, like today, if you have a TV go out, you throw it in the garbage and buy another TV. There are no TV repair shops. Correct. Computer is a good good way to look at the computer that I had as a kid in the 80s probably cost my dad as much as a brand new computer would cost today meaning back then it was astronomically expensive right and everything's kind of relative to what people make mm-hmm. right and so um there's a horn currently on my website it's called a kennedy horn and i think it originally sold for in the 30s for about um may have been in the 20s but for about 350 dollars so they were going the Tiffany's approach, right? We're going to be super, super high end. And they're very, very rare because, you know, people average 26 cents an hour. So they weren't selling very many of their horns. It wasn't very uh, commercially successful because of the way that they marketed and priced it, right? Kind of the... Volkswagen of radio horns was the Atwater Kent horn, right? They had the largest market share. And so fast forward a hundred years and you find way more of the Atwater Kent horns because they were commercially successful at their time, 
right? And they sold at a much lower price. And so more people could buy them and therefore more of them survive, right? And survival is kind of an interesting thing depending on who made it, where it was made, and when it was made. So there was a horn that I sold a couple of years ago called a Nora horn, N-O-R-A. And it was made by a guy named Hermann Aaron, who was a Jewish man in Nazi Germany pre-World War II. He was interned. The Nazis took over his manufacturing plant and made it a war machine plant. His horns were made for two years. His family was all interned and all killed. And the horn is basically his legacy. Hmm. So when you do the research behind them and you enliven them with the story, it becomes more than an object. Mm -hmm. It becomes... uh, a living, breathing thing that's going to appeal to someone depending on how that story uh, reverberates with them. Kind of a, a modern piece of history in a way. Right. Very steampunk is how I look at it. If, you, if you're aware of steampunk. I am aware of steampunk. What that whole, so, so to me, that it all when, the very first time I saw it, that's what I thought is this is very steampunk. So the idea that something old has come into the new and it's a mix of the old and the new. Right. And it's, it definitely is that, right? It's taking old sound technology and adding a cell phone to it as the driver. And so it's a good blend of the right. old and the new. Cause right? what, could, what could be more new than an iPhone? Right. And it's not iPhone specific. No. It's for, I, I mean, right. I call them iHorns cause it was cute. Right. But, um, it's still, cute. it's any, any phone that has a speaker in the bottom will work with it. And so it's not brand specific. And, or a that. speaker in the top if you flip it upside down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, <laughs> it's not brand specific. Um, but it, it's an interesting blend of art and science because it's STEM based in terms of how it produces sound. Um, economics because, the history of the capitalist uh, success of the entity impacts their availability today, mm-hmm. right? It's social studies to a certain degree because each piece I research out the history and tell a story behind it. I was going to say, yeah, you do have say your tags have like a, hist- like a historical mini, reference. Yeah. Sometimes I just walk around and read the tags. Right. And I, and that's, that's an important part of the art to me is to – is that it tells a story. Well, it's a great, it makes a great conversation piece too. So like if you have people over and they're like, Oh, what's this? And well, you have it definitely whole... looks better sitting in your house than like, I mean, I have like a little speaker that I have in my bathroom or I have one that I take outside when I'm doing yard work and stuff and they're fine and they're perfect and they, they can be really, really loud, but they're not pretty. Like I don't have them sitting in Anywhere in my in my home, right? But part part of that is um, what are your des- what what is your design aesthetic, and what do you want people's attention to draw to? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I make these things, and so the probability is that my wife doesn't want the minute someone walks into our house, <laughs> the very first thing that they see is this huge horn. Right. So we have a dictogram horn, which stands. I don't know, maybe. 12 inches tall and is about 12 inches deep and it sits on our fireplace mantle. It produces incredible sound. It's, it's, it's her favorite horn. And it's a great horn. Um, but 
it looks, it draws no more attention to itself than the flower arrangement that's next to it or the basket that's on the other side of the mantle, right? And so people will talk to me about gifts. I'm going to buy somebody a gift, and I think this is really cool. And I will steer them away from anything big because you are making a commitment on behalf of the receiver Mm -hmm. from a design aesthetic point of view. If it's small enough, they can tuck it away. It can go on a bookshelf. It can go on a side table, whatever. But if you buy them a saxophone that's three <laughs> feet tall, you're making a commitment for them. That's like, right? for some better like that's saxophones. Like buying someone a puppy. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly well, right. right. Well, for me, one of the biggest faux pas you could make is buying someone a large piece of art. Yeah. What kind of a position does that put the person in? It's huge. What am I going to do with it? But yeah. if I don't put it, it's I'm going to buy you a three foot tall vase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if it's for you, you design, you do your, your aesthetic how you want to do your aesthetic, right? And, you know, it, it probably depends on is money a limitation? What's the room like? Where are you going to put it? Do you want it, the ability to take it inside and outside and move it around? Or is it going to have one stationary position? If it's for someone else, you know, uh, small to medium size is the way to go so that you're not, you're not, uh, imposing your will on them unless you know them super, super well. Well, we haven't talked about this, but one of the other nice things about this that, you know, I talked about my, my electronic speakers that I have. It doesn't require recharging. Yeah, it doesn't these, require yeah. being pu- plugged or in. Pairing or pairing. Yeah. There's, <laughs> right. you know, if, if, Joe Blow comes over to your house and you're having dinner and he's like, oh, you've got to hear this song. You can just as easily throw his phone into it as you throw your phone into it. Sure. But there's a place for both, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, and so... Like I said, like in my bathroom, like I don't need a a fancy speaker. I just want something small that's out of the way so I can just listen when I'm in the shower. But like that would be a nice... Like we get together, we're all friends outside of this and stuff, but like that's... That's something that we would do in our friend group is be like, oh, listen to this and throw something on. So, sure. so what the base is, so what the phone actually sits in, how do you decide what you're going to use for that piece? Uh, well, okay. So what the dock actually in almost all of them is, uh, is a copper tubing fabrication that I make. Where that's going to go in relationship to the piece is my focus is always on understatement. So when you're looking at it, I don't want you to see what I've done to it. I want you to see it in as close to its original state as you can possibly see it, right? So I will then make that piece blend to the best of my ability in terms of um, each one of those bases is, or docks is is wrapped in leather. The leather will match the horn to the best of its ability. Each one of them is painted. So they will match, I'll match up the paints and I'll mess with spray paints and different kinds of paints in order to make it match as closely as possible so that it seems to blend as seamlessly as it can. What, uh, you, you've talked about a ton of different pieces and horns. I'm curious, what uh, the favorite piece that you've ever done is. What's your favorite piece that you've done? <laughs> and everyone has a favorite child. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I don't have one. Um, it depends on the day. You've done a lot over the years because you've been doing this yeah. for a while. Um, 
I don't know. Personally, I like subtle. Um, and I think um, among my favorite pieces are they're wooden box speakers. Um, they're made of mahogany. Uh, they're about, I don't know, 14 inches long by about 12 inches by 12 inches. Um, they're not horn speakers. They produce a very, very rich sound, and they are kind of a bookshelf item. And no one would would have any idea what it was looking at it. Um, in terms of actual horns, of the radio horns, it's a toss-up between the dictagrand horn but mostly because I can boombox with that. You have to come to <laughs> see me at an art show to see that part of my spiel. Um, and wooden horns. I, I like the, t- I personally like the tonal quality of, of wood. Um, it's very rich. It's not the loudest by any stretch. There's of a reason they make so many instruments out of it. Yeah. But it produces a, a really nice sound in terms of smaller things. Um, the Rubes horn model T car horns are, they're exceptional. Um, I like them a lot, but smaller, you're still talking anywhere from 295 to 425 bucks for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, have you done any with like cow horn type, like, uh, yeah, they can <laughs> see it right now. <laughs> see, it's oh. called a just a horn. And it's a cow horn with copper tubing. And, I have to take a picture of it. That is uh, so cool. They don't stand. You can take a picture of it later. They yeah. don't stand up on their own. Now they do have a downside. Uh, well, they have a couple downsides. Downside number one is cow horns are made of cartilage, and dogs will eat them. So if you <laughs> leave this where your dog can get it, you've bought a chew toy, and dogs um, smell it and want to eat it too. <laughs> right. And personally. I hate making them because when you cut the cow horn, it smells, smells terribly. Bad. It attracts bees. Um, well, there you it, go, Jeremy. You can cut cow horns; they'll smell like in there the you bees go. Smell. Yeah, so it's not. It's they're not my favorite thing to make, but yes, I, I make them out of cow horns, bison caps, um, ram horns. Um, How do the ram horns sound? Because those are good. nice and curled a lot of times. Yeah, so and- ram horns and kudu horns are used as shofars in Jewish religious ceremonies, um, and they work really well. I mean, I've made them out of conch shells. Um, they crack easily. Yeah, they're they're hard to drill, but um, yeah. Let's go. How, how is your, how, cause you, you've been doing it for like 10 ish years, right? Yeah, yeah. How have your tastes changed in what you've wanted to create, uh, over the, over those years? You know, every year something strikes my fancy. So a couple of years ago, kind of tin toys kind of got oh. my fascination. Oh, yeah. And so I kind of, uh, dipped my toe in tin toys for a while. Um, Electric ammeters, they're very steampunk, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are DC ammeters for, you know, Edison's version of electricity and some are AC for <laughs> Teslas and that's a whole nother debate. Um, <laughs> um, but they just have kind of a cool look and are great for somebody's desk. Um, it took me about nine years to figure out that there's a huge segment of the population that likes to sew. And so now I will buy... Um, they made working singer sewing machines 
to teach children how to sew and I'll mount those on antique boxes and then add a horn to them. So you can open the box and you can put your stash of whatever your stash is inside the box. Oh, you can so listen cool. to your tunes and they're still fully functional mini wow. sewing machines. I, I don't so know what cool. you sew on them, but you know, so doll clothes. Yeah, I guess. So, you know, so <laughs> it, it, if you go, if you go to the website, there's a section. There's a section that's for sale now, and there's also a huge section of previously sold, and that'll show you the variety of different uh, things that I've made over the years. And the website's only been up for um, not even two full years. What uh, What is the website? It's shopihorns.com. If you just Google iHorns, um, it's the first thing that you'll come across, and um it's pretty user friendly. Um, there's no bump at the end when you check out. Everything's built into it. It's free shipping. Tax is built into it, so that if you're buying something that says it's 150 bucks, it's 150 bucks when you check out. And um, we do a sale uh, for you know the Black Friday uh, Small Business Saturday. Yeah, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and to the extent that I have any idea how to market through Instagram anymore. <laughs> it might reach 50 people, but, um, yeah. I mean, realistically, the kind of stuff that you have markets itself on Instagram. You just take the pictures and... Well, but the Instagram algorithms have really changed things. So, you know, a few months ago, my youngest son came to me and said, Dad, you got to do reels. And I'm like, what's a reel? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so he showed me what reels are, right? And so I, I post something on Instagram every day for the purpose of keeping the website's traffic up, which then mm -hmm. keeps it up in the Google search, right? Mm -hmm. And I can post a reel one day and get eight views. I can post a reel another day and get 7,500 views. And it's we're, the, we're the same way we posted that reel of us sitting there at the Oktoberfest with the chicken song in the background. That got 11,000 views like that. Right. And, you know, now when you post something, I, th I think my Instagram account has about 1,500 followers. It might, if I post a post, it might get seen by 50 people. I mean, and so they... At the minute you try to, you think, or someone, for me, none of this is innate, but you think you sort of have it figured out, then it's just, they change it. Then they and, change it, yeah. And I struggle. You know, you're back to square one. The Jeremy's website has been unsecured for two months and you just found out today. I found out today. <laughs> well, I, you know, this will, this will tell you how brilliant I am. So, I don't know, maybe seven years ago or so, you know, I had a Facebook page and, I didn't know you could get messages on it and I see your stack of, <laughs> your stack of City Weekly, right? Yeah. And so the City Weekly guy wanted to do um. a piece on iHorns as like the, the Christmas gift to, to buy for one of them for, for that year. And I saw his message in January. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Hey, you, you in on next year? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I'm not the sharpest tool in the show. <laughs> You got lots of other stuff going on. You're, I mean, part of this is, is like you said, part of the, the experience and fun for you is the interaction with people. And you don't, you don't get that through the website. You get that through all the shows that you go to. Right. And the shows are basically the primary source of advertising for the website, right? I mean, 
um, people, the majority of the buyers off the website are probably people who saw them at art shows. And I do try to track where people have come from. And, you know, it's, it's for sure the art shows. And so, and I enjoy doing the art shows. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think people go to like the farmer's market thinking I'm going to spend $400 on they a don't. speaker for my But they might not. go back home and say, I think I really do want to spend four hundred dollars on that. Or they might they come to back to see you three times over the summer and finally pick it up on that fourth time. They might, or they may just, you know, the timing may be wrong, and they may be waiting to buy a Christmas gift for somebody. And mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly experienced that. I, I think that's the majority of the purchases that happen off the website are people that saw it in art show, and the timing was not right for them, and so then they. They, they, it's a birthday gift or an anniversary yeah, gift sure. or something. I've like done that. that before. There's a there's another vendor at the at the farmers market regularly. They do he does wooden bowls yeah. uh, and not just bowls, but like vases and stuff. He goes out and finds old wood and then does tons of work with it with a lathe. And you know I love their stuff and Bree loves their stuff. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out to these guys for a Christmas gift for Bree. And I called them and they had me go to their house because, you know, the, there's no market this time. I mean, there's a winter market, but it's not the same. Was it during COVID standpoint. too? Uh, no, I think it was before. It was, before. It, it was the it year was before. before. It was before COVID. And they had me go to their house and they've got a, a beautiful gallery in their house and looked at way and more stuff. And his wife was like, take as much as you want. Yes, because like two <laughs> two full rooms of their house and their garage was all. <laughs> sure. Is that what your house looks like? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I I have a storage unit that where I keep the tents and the walls and uh, made product and all of that kind of stuff. No, our our house is is very nice and uncluttered, and that's how my wife likes it. That's good. That's how that's how I like it. <laughs> uncluttered yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, he struggles around the holiday these particular holidays because I tend to have a lot of stuff and things aren't where they go. <laughs> Too many decorations. You should see Christmas throw up in the house. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what I call it. Christmas. That's that's up. a subject that's off limits. <laughs> but we don't do Christmas until after Thanksgiving is over. I don't know if you noticed, but everything in my house there's no Christmas yet. So yeah, yeah. Hard, fast rule. One holiday at a time. We I put the lights on the house when. The weather's nice, but they don't get turned on until after Thanksgiving. There you go. That's and that's a that's a very fine decision to make. Yeah, because yes. getting up and putting them up after Thanksgiving is a Sometimes really could poor be decision. Like some years, it could be totally fine, and you could be out there, you know, in your shirt sleeves, and you're you're totally fine. And other times, you could be falling off the roof, and that is why I don't put could, lights up. You could be the next. Yeah, Santa well, I, you know, we had a bunch of kids, and so. I I had to do it as a teenager. Like when we we had our house and they wanted to put lights up, I had to put them up and take them down as a teenager. So far, I've 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 been married twice. I've never had a husband that's been willing to put up my lights. So I keep looking at those professional places, and one of these days he's going to come home, and there's going to be a guy. They'll just do the the exterior for you, the permanent lights. I'll just be like. Because we take walks, and when we walk in the morning, it's still dark, and there's a house down the street, and they do, like, Easter colors and Halloween colors, and I'm like, that would be fun. You just need to invent lights that retract into your soffit, <laughs> yes. right? And you can just drop them down when you want to, open it up, and drop them down. So there's a little trick that you can do with, like, PVC pipe where you put the lights in, and then if you have a place to, like, store lengths where you just hook the 
and then you make hooks and then you just hook the hook PVC, the PVC up and all the lights are spaced perfectly and they're all pointed right huh. and they don't get tangled and you just hang them up. Well, we went to Modern Display and took the measurements of all the roof things and then they, they made them the in the oh, right length, that's right? Awesome. And so then you just, you have them in the right length. That yep. is so good. Storing them is a different story, but. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's exactly the kind of thing you want to do. And none of that has anything to do with horns, but that's okay. No, but. <laughs> no that's fine. <laughs> so I, I am curious. You've made Utah your home. You've, you've lived in several parts of the country, uh, mostly in the Southwest though. Um, and California, I guess. It's not Southwest, but it really is the most yeah. Southwest, I guess. Um, but you've made Utah your home. Um, what is the most interesting or unique thing that you've discovered about Utah in your time here? Well. <laughs> <laughs> he listened, but he didn't. He didn't listen all the way to the end. <laughs> um, I, I guess how accepting and diverse Utah is. Utah is a place of great diversity, not only in terms of topography, but in terms of people. And Utah's people are, generally speaking, very accepting of others um, and of differences. And that may be one of the reasons why Queer Magazine votes Utah as a top 10 city, yep. Salt Lake as a top 10 city to live in every single year. As we discussed earlier, I think Utah has kind of this um, New Jersey kind of bad rap, right? Where, you know, people who are not from here paint it with a broad brush of of polygamy and and that kind of thing. And uh ultra conservative Right. And yeah. And and the rural parts of the state are very conservative, right? But the the metropolitan areas in Salt Lake County and in Summit County um, clearly are not. Um, and there's room for uh, people of all kinds uh, of beliefs and political views. And, uh, and I think, by and large, when you talk to people who are not from here and come here, the number one thing that they say is how nice the people are. Mm-hmm. That is true. And how, how open they are to talk to you and help you out. I, for me, it's funny because, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but one of the things that's interesting about Utah, and part of it is, is definitely the church's influence, I think, in the state, but people here talk to their neighbors. Uh, and that's, I, I've been in other states. I've been in other cities. I've lived there. I've got family. They don't talk to their neighbors. Right. You could live next door to someone for 25 years and never talk to them. And that just doesn't happen here. No. Unless you're me. You still talk to the neighbors? <laughs> you talk to Steve and Laura? That's not a I name. Wave. I wave. I know. I don't know why he calls our neighbor Laura. <laughs> I think her name's Hillary or something. <laughs> no, and I, I think the sense of community is comforting. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, it, it's... It's embracing and it makes you feel welcome, right? And, you know, it, Utah also has its idiosyncrasies, <laughs> um, and some of those aren't great, right? But um, by and large, the people are incredibly nice. Everywhere you go, though, every every place is going to have its quirk, its no doubt. hang up, its whatever... Yeah, it's definitely a community, though. Like, people come and help you here just because they see that you're out doing something in need. 
help. Like I've had people come and help me shovel when he's been out of town. We've told stories about our neighbor with their preemie baby that would struggle and her husband worked at night. And that's always when babies struggle and neighbors go running. And I don't even know what their names are, but we'd go out and help. So we grab the neighbor's dog when it's gotten loose and stick it. Her name is Cinnamon though. I know, I know that, I know that, I know the neighbor's dog's name if that helps. (laughs) That shows you the kind of person I am. Okay. So here's our tarot card. You need a good fucking cry. Get the ugly cry on. Let that shit go. Your soul will thank you. That is so not having anything to do with the episode today. Usually That's our weird. cards do, but not that uh, one. I, I think, I think it, this one's for me. For you. <laughs> oh. The holidays. I don't know. She's had a rough week. You need it, a good it's cry. Been, it's, it's been a hard week. Sometimes a good cry is all well, I'm, I'm just excited because Cassie will be at Thanksgiving for the first time in a couple of years. Like my whole family. Like there's been some... There's been some shiz going on with Cassie being back, and I don't know. We're almost out of these. We've got more than the year is left, but I think we should just uh, start something new next year. We have that other thing over there. Yeah, I don't like this. (laughs) We'll we'll see what happens. So this year we've done a a tarot card at the end of it. It's not a tarot card. It's an oracle. Or an oracle, sorry. So they're they're trashy. I think that she said that there's another deck. Yeah, she said they have another deck. They came out with another one, so maybe we'll switch to that. Um, Frank, where can people find your stuff? I know shopihorns.com, but what's your Instagram handle and all that other stuff? Uh, Instagram handle is just ihorns, Facebook's ihorns, and then uh, mostly art shows. So the next art show I'm doing is... uh, uh, in Tempe, Arizona, the first weekend in December, the Tempe Arts Festival, and then the second weekend is the Fourth Avenue Street Fair in Tucson. Um, and then that's it for the year. You do warm uh, festivals in the winter? How dare you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but here in, in Utah, normally, and art festivals are juried, and so you never know if you're going to get in or not, but normally I do few days at the Downtown Farmer's Market, Park City, Logan Summerfest, the Utah Arts Festival, uh, Kimball Art Festival, if they let me in, um, St. George Art Festival, if they let me in. So it's, it's all, it's, uh, it's random in terms of what the jury allows, yeah. whether you get in or not. And if you don't, you don't. Do you ever do like, uh, Comic Con or any of those? No, never have. I mean, I, I don't I, know that. That's, that's, I don't know. It would be, the vendor fee's probably too high, yeah. to be honest, but I think, I think you would do well at an event I've seen like that. S- similar items at the, the Comic Con. I think you'd be surprised how, how expensive some vendor fees are. So, for instance, this year, I believe Swiss Days was like 1500 bucks. Yeah. At Comic Con is obscene. Their vendor fees are so high now. That's why what you see at Comic Con for vendors for the most part, are uh, the same things at every vendor because yeah. they're and then there's always the cool. window guy and the farmer's insurance dude. Yeah, they're sponsors, <laughs> right? And so they, exactly. they pay they, they pay even more to to yeah, exactly. participate. And this year I also did a few days at the Oktoberfest. I Snowbird. I like uh, I always see your stuff at the farmers market. Uh, I always go and look at it. Um, so I I always enjoy uh, seeing you there at the market. That's probably where I see you the most. So. Well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you having me on, and um, it was less painful than I thought it was going to be. Not, too bad. not so bad. <laughs> we, we try not to torture our guests. Appreciate that. 
if you uh, if you folks like what you heard, or if you don't, I don't, I don't actually care. Just share the episode. Um, <laughs> it's like spoiled milk. Just let someone hear it. Um, is this bad? Hey, yeah. Listen to this. Is this yeah. bad? Is this just me or is this crap? <laughs> At least the sound quality is good. Unlike a couple weeks ago, I'm still. I apologize for that again. I'm sorry. I, I bet you're going to apologize for it a couple more times. <sighs> Probably because I hate putting out garbage sound. It's it's just. It's the one thing that really drives me bonkers with, with podcasts. So, uh, you can follow us on all the social medias at TNU podcast or on our website, thenewutah.com or, uh, hotdog-water.com. Both of those work. Yeah. Um, have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. Have a good Thanksgiving. Kids. Um, we'll talk to you next week.